Hey everyone, Gio here. Before we get started, I wanted to say thank you to all of the guests that were featured on the show in 2018. It was a pleasure having you on the show, and I hope all of you listeners have taken some time to check out their website or business fronts in person. Also, thank you to you listeners who tune in every week. I really, really appreciate your support, and those of you that have shared it or told your friends and family about it, thank you so much. This week, I'm really excited about our guest, I think you'll really enjoy it. It's an interview. I sit down with the mayor. We get to know a little bit more about him as a person and just more about his background before he became mayor, you know, where he came from and what he did before. So I won't spoil too much, but great interview lies ahead for you. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy. I'm Gio Ruiz. Welcome to the Shooting the Breeze podcast, your neighborhood resource in North San Diego County. Whether it's businesses, restaurants, or things going on in your community, we have it covered. Thank you so much for tuning in, and without further ado, enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Shooting the Breeze. I'm your host, Gio Ruiz. Thanks for tuning in. Today I have the very special honor of sitting down with Escondido's newly elected mayor, Mr. Paul McNamara, Mayor Mac. How are you doing today? Good, Gio. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for agreeing and having some time to sit with me today. Yeah. And uh, so I, I know you've lived in Escondido for some time. Uh, how long have you lived in Escondido for? Uh, actually, 21 years. 21 years now. Yeah, I was in. Uh, I came here from Mexico City. I was stationed there. I was on active duty in the Marine Corps. Okay. And I was a pilot in the Marine Corps. And we were moving to Miramar. And this is back in 1998. And uh, we were looking for a house to live in. And uh, I always tell everybody, uh, I wish, you know, I did research. And I found Escondido. And that's where I wanted <laughs> to live. But candidly, I came here because I needed a place to live. And I had three young daughters. But now I want my ashes spread in the backyard. I would never want to leave Escondido. I really <laughs> fell in love with the place. Is that so right? yeah, I always I I always tell people I said, well, I must have done something right <laughs> in my la- life to uh, find Escondido. Wow, that's I, I feel like Escondido has that effect on people after you've been here for some time. There's something about it. The people who have been here for a, a longer period of time tend to want want to stay here. It grows on you. Well, it was, uh, we look, I, my wife and I, we, I think we bought the, like the fifth house we looked at. Okay. And, uh, and then, you know, I started to discover Escondido. I said, oh man, this place is great. <laughs> you know, because in, 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 uh, the military, you're, you know, you're usually stationed somewhere for two, three years and then you move on. And so you enjoy the place while you're living there, but you don't really, uh, put down roots. Sure. But here immediately I felt like this is where I needed to live. And uh, I, you, you just know. had that feeling. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it was just, I mean, it was very quick. And we just knew we were never going to leave. And so, um, you know, my kids went to school here. and um, So you had three daughters, you said? Uh, uh, yeah, at the time. I had three daughters. I actually had four daughters now. Oh, okay. I had three daughters at the time. Wow. And before before your time in the Marines and and before you this whole thing started, where did you grow up or where are you from originally? Uh, I, I was born in Philadelphia, and I grew up just outside uh, the city of Philadelphia in uh, uh, Upper Darby Township. Okay. Uh, and is there anything famous about Upper Darby Township? If you know the actress <laughs> Tina Fey, she's from Upper Darby Town. Hey! Township. I guess that's our claim to fame. <laughs> that Tina yeah. Fey's from there. Well, it's kind of one of those cities where you have to, it's kind of like here in San Diego, you have to kind of know where the line is to know whether you're in the city or whether you're outside of the city. I see. So it's a, it's all kind of uh, 
in, in yeah, it's all it's all uh, it's connected. I mean, you know, if you're in San Diego or in Escondido, I mean, yeah. you have to know. Well, you're crossing the Lake Hodges Bridge, right? Yes. To know that you're leaving the city and going into Escondido. But if you're not from here, you may not know that. It's all San, San Diego. Yeah, 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 it's all San Diego. So it was a little colder for you then. So you you when you were growing up, huh? Uh, yeah, um, you know, it was kind of funny. It was a little disappointing. Uh, back when, if you live in uh, uh, the, the seasons where you get snow and everything, yeah. um, you know, you always, as a kid, you're always ho- hoping for a snow day because then the school gets closed. Oh, <laughs> right? yeah. But unfortunately, uh, the city of Philadelphia is, if you've ever been there, is in this, the Delaware River uh, plain. It's very flat and, and the river is large and so it's a moderating force. So when you see all the snowstorms coming, we were just on the edge where we would get rain. And then oh, no. So you would just get, oh, would yeah. just get wet. Yeah. Yeah. We would just have to go to school in the rain. Whereas, you know, you're reading, you know, friends not too far away, you know, a mile away might have gotten uh, the, snow that, days the, the, the snow days off and you go out and play in the snow. <laughs> That's something. So how long did you, how long did you live in Philadelphia? And um, Until I was 18, I went to school at the University of Wisconsin uh, in Madison. Okay. And uh, I was, in, I went there, um, I signed up uh, in the NROTC program okay. there, and I ended up going to school there. And then I was commissioned as a, after four years, I was commissioned as a second lieutenant in the Marine Corps. Second lieutenant. So from the NROTC program, you were? Yeah, I was commissioned as a second lieutenant. Uh, I started out as an infantry officer for a couple tours, and went on recruiting duty, and then finally went to flight school. And I finished my career as a colonel, and I was at 1MEF, and I ran the staff. During 9-11, so uh, I was fortunate and really kind of an honor to run the staff to do all the post-9-11 Marine Corps operations. That that was uh, our staff uh, uh, that we worked on for, you know, things in Afghanistan and Iraq. So you were involved during that whole period of time. Right. Yeah, it was really uh, really some great people. Yeah. And uh, and an interesting time. Absolutely. So I want to ask you a little more about your time kind of in college and growing up. Did, did, I know we were talking a little bit about baseball and football before the show here. Mm-hmm. Did you play any sports growing up? Sure. You know, I did what most people, you know, I played uh, f- football and, and, and baseball, being with the two sports. The other, I also played rugby. Which, oh, really? Yeah, which was really kind of interesting because uh, we had, you know, it was one of those uh, odd things where you have a teacher in high school who was a rugby player. Yeah. And he formed a team and we all played. And, of course, everyone liked it because in rugby, at least in high school, you know how American football is very specialized, right? Yes. You know, your your body size, your alignment, your receiver, running back, all that. Rugby has the same thing, but in high school, you don't have quite those distinctions. I see. So everybody had a chance to run with the ball and, you know, and get hit or hit 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 tackle and everything else like that. It was really a lot of fun. That's cool. Yeah. That's a lot of, that's interesting. I wouldn't have guessed (laughs) some rugby in there. Well, you know, uh, I grew up in a kind of a blue-collar neighborhood, you know, okay. so, uh, I mean, so that's made it even stranger uh, that I went, that the, we would have a, a rugby team, but but I played that, and, uh, and but I enjoyed sports as a kid. Yeah, like you said, you just played here and there a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I even when I went to college, uh, uh, you know, I played rugby uh, for at least one, one year, but they had some really monsters on the team. <laughs> these are the guys who could... Who were big enough for Division One football, but not quite uh, fast enough. Oh, sure. And, yeah, they were. They were. So, you were playing with some guys who oh. had some meat on them. <laughs> yeah, really. It was a, It was fun. That's that's really that's a lot, man. Rugby's. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I mean, the other thing, you know, and I ran track. That okay, was, that was it. Yeah, 
things. Uh, I mean, I, I just sports can teach people a lot of things, and you learn mm-hmm. a lot through them. So I'm sure that kind of played into some some of the things you learn in kind of the competitive spirit that you picked up. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I, I, you know, it, like everything in sports. I mean, you know, you, you're you're taught you're taught to, you know, to try your best, work sure. hard, uh, you know, be, uh, uh, you know, accept victory with some graciousness, right? Sure. But, but also be magnanimous in um, in defeat. Sure. Maybe I got that was reversed. I don't know. But <laughs> you, you know the point. It teaches the, you both sides. It, it teaches you both sides of winning and losing. And to try hard and stuff, and of course, you know, being in the Marine Corps, you know, yeah. those things, those values, were taught. I mean, they, they also teach you. Uh, I think I was very fortunate in my youth that I had a lot of good values taught to me. I was in Scouts and oh, sure. had good teachers and, and things like that. Good values, uh, you know, do the right thing, uh, help other people. Uh, you know, um, you know, when people ask me why I ran for mayor, you know, they said, and I, you know, I know it sounds a little bit corny, but. You know, you know, it's it's the uh, Declaration of Independence when they make the argument of why they're, you know, seceding from England. Is they say, you know, they say they say it better than the way I'm going to say it. But <laughs> basically, if you have the ability to make, if you see something wrong and you have the ability to right that wrong, then you have the moral obligation to do it. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so I kind of felt that uh, the city of Escondido was going in the wrong direction, and I said, well, then you, you know, I thought I had a pretty good resume. And could do the job, and so I Absolutely. decided to step up. Fortunately, the majority of the voters yeah. uh, agreed with me. So. so let's talk about the campaign a little bit and, yeah. and how it all – you just told me kind of how it all started and uh-huh. for you the process. Tell me about the campaign and just uh, any surprises or memorable moments during the campaign leading up to the election. Well, uh, memorable moments. Um, well, first of all, you, you know, uh, the campaign – you know – I found out, the funny part is this, I had a lot of people come up to me, even those who supported me said, you know, Mac, I can't believe you won. Oh, really? <laughs> really, you know. And, uh, you know, I sometimes think I tease my campaign manager, I, 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 I tell her, and I said, you know, I, I think we would have been the only two who thought we stood a chance. Oh, wow. You know, I mean, we knew it was an uphill battle, and that, you know, whatever any anybody's going against an incumbent, and he had more money and name recognition. Absolutely. You know, and that that's that's hard to overcome. And yeah. so, but you know, we thought it was important that we try. Sure. And uh, you know, we knocked on a lot of doors, and you know, and we had people who supported us. But I, you know, I kind of find out now they're supporting us, knowing full well that they didn't think we were going to win. You know, and, and they didn't say that, but but they but we had more than one comment of uh, oh, you know, I, I I can't believe you won. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it was kind of funny, and. Um, and, and so the campaign, um, you, you hear, you know, you know, one of the things you really find is that there were really a lot of good ideas in Escondido. I mean, you talk to a lot of people. Okay. And certain common themes emerge, you know, uh, and as you might imagine, uh, potholes need to do better for sidewalks in our schools. Um, we need to address certain problems. We need more of this or more of that. And the, and, and the, the exciting part was there were a lot of people in Escondido who have uh, some great ideas and are passionate about the city. And in fact, one of the things I'm working on right now, if you'll allow me just to be a little bit of a politician absolutely, here, absolutely. is, you know, what I'd like to do, and, and I'm actually working this now. We had about 40, what I call leaders of the community in a room where we're talking about how do we take Escondido to the next level? You know, okay. What do we need to do? Uh, I'm of the opinion that what we need to do is, is uh, uh, 
you, you need a holistic approach. The, the center of the, the hub of the wheel is probably bringing in good businesses, right? Sure. But all around that, you need all those things like public safety and art and music, and education and homelessness, uh, uh, people who have um, uh, uh, problems with food, you know, yeah. challenges, all that stuff. And so uh, while, you know, the good news is um, we have a lot of faith-based groups and nonprofits who are addressing these in individuals, I would argue that we could do, uh, we could be a little bit more efficient in terms of getting them talking to each other I see. And, and working on that. And so the game plan right now is I think we're going to try to form, I'll call them commissions, where we get all the people who are focused on homelessness. I see. And say, how do we get those? And then, you know, youth sports, right? How do we get everybody involved in youth sports or music or art? And and each and there are plenty of people out there who care about each one of these. Just connecting them and kind of sure. making their force stronger together. Yeah, I, I was talking to one of the pa I went to uh, one of the pastors of Victory Outreach uh -huh. over uh, uh, who deals with ex gang members, right? And uh, and and he was at the meeting. We were just kind of talking, and I had always heard um, that the reason why. Uh, people join gangs, for example, is that they don't feel that they're part of the community. Well, I mean, I think the answer is, uh, I mean, devil's in the detail, but I think the answer is you want people to feel that they're they're all part of the community. Sure. And so, you know, if you were to ask me for a theme, I says, I want us to build a community. But, you know, when we got into that discussion with those 40-some people, he said, you know, a better way to rephrase that question is to ask why someone doesn't join a Okay. And, you know, one of the answers is, and it was kind of pretty simple, is that people get involved in activities, right? They sure. get involved in sports and things like that. They have, you know, young people now. That's who we're talking about. And so, you know, it, you know, kind of, it, it kind of suggests that the city needs to invest more, not less, in the services it provides to the, to the community, right? Okay. You know, that we want people, uh, as you, you know, anybody who has a son or daughter in sports right now, after you get beyond rec sports, it's incredibly expensive, yeah. right? And so it's like, well, how can we, how can we get someone who might not have the financial means to be involved in sports and stay in that? And so these are, uh, you know, the city doesn't have the enough money or the resources to do everything, right? Yeah. But that doesn't mean uh, we can't partner, and and these are words that I like: dialogue, partner with these groups out in the city to get to get to do better right okay. and uh, uh, to make people feel more uh, part of the of the community right I see um, you know we've had a lot of uh, immigration uh, discussion here I mean yeah. it, 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 I'm sure everyone has seen that and you know and the the, the thing is that um, you know I'm a I believe in the rule of law. Right, but I uh, and but I would also tell you that there's no simple answer to this, right? Mm -hmm. And it's really kind of beyond what the city can do. I mean, it's beyond the, the scope of a mayor's authority, right? But but you know, you talk to the ag agricultural industry, and they'll tell you, you know, this is it. It's North County is a two billion dollar agricultural industry. Oh wow! And, and the economic engine for that is a lot of the immigrants that have come over and are working working in that industry. Absolutely. And so you know. Uh, I, I, one brief that I was at, the head of the Farm Bureau said, be careful what you wish for. Really? Yeah. I mean, and so, um, so you know, I mean, uh, I think we need to have 
the rule of law, but until, I mean, that's kind of a federal responsibility. I see. Until they address that, I think what we need to do is create community. Absolutely. You and, know? And so when you, during your inauguration, I read that uh, there was mariachi music. Is that correct? Yeah, they had a, a group um, that uh, uh, we didn't – it wasn't planned. It wasn't planned. That's what I was going to ask. It wasn't, it wasn't planned. planned. It was just a group who did a little – I think they did a GoFundMe. As I understand the story, they did a GoFundMe and they got this mariachi group. And uh, right outside after we were all sworn in, they're playing mariachi and Consuelo and I were out there. And then the next thing you know, I'm dancing. <laughs> so there they have it. And I think it's been filmed. So, oh, so it's, it's out there. So, so it's officially it's out, there. out there. Yeah, yeah. If you want to see if the mayor can dance, you just have to go look that up on YouTube somewhere. So, um, but it was fun. It was very festive, you know, and uh, I, I, th- I think people were kind of, uh, uh, Welcoming in, and I'd like to, and I believe that a, a, a different approach to how we, uh, uh, how the city should be and how the city should run. Absolutely, I, I thought that was very interesting because it's not something you see all the time, or and it's it's almost a community taking its own form and making yeah. it happen. So that was pretty interesting. Well, I had to tell you on a personal note, the woman who kind of pulled me in to dance was sure. a very good dancer. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> So I think she made me look good, or oh, at least good. acceptable. <laughs> so I was very happy about that. So you said you lived in uh, Mexico City for some time before this? For two years. I uh, I was a, uh, an attache. I worked for the Defense Intelligence Agency down there. Okay. And uh, at the time, I was a lieutenant colonel in the Marine Corps at the time. And uh, and I did two years. And so we traveled all over uh, uh, Mexico as part of the job. Really? So so you were just, so we, I guess, you, I don't know. Had, I had to go to Acapulco for the Oh, wow. official business. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. What bad luck, huh? Yeah, I mean, that is you know, so. So that was kind of nice. Wow. So, and, and real quick, getting back to the Boy Scout question here. Yeah. Uh, did you ever have to sell that popcorn? Did, did you guys do that at the time? Peanut Crunch. Yeah. There was Peanut Crunch? And uh, we sold peanut crunch and Christmas trees. Okay. Well, I was in the Scouts for a little bit, too, and we yeah. had popcorn, so I was just wondering. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny, you know, <laughs> it's... Uh, you know, it's funny how those lessons, because um, when I would be knocking on doors saying, hi, I'm Paul McNamara, I'm running for mayor, you know, and they're looking at me like, who are you? <laughs> you know, and I kind of remembered it. I flashed back to being a, a kid in Scouts selling uh, peanut crunch. Hi, I'm selling peanut crunch, <laughs> the, the, you know, my Boy Scout troop, you know, yeah. so so it does kind of get. Um, it translates. Yeah, it does. I mean, it, you know, you get over your shyness a little bit, you know, so. And now that you got me wondering here, we went. You were knocking doors, just introducing yourself to people in the city. Yeah, and I had a I, I, yeah, and I had a flyer. I, I obviously I went to I went I had people set up meet and greets, you know, okay. you know, and, and uh, somebody in the neighborhood would invite all their neighbors to come over, and you know, you kind of talk about what your vision is for the city, and they would ask questions and things and, like that. Escondido's so large. I just I, I'm where do you start with a project like that? Of where do you knock and who the neighborhoods you speak to and. Well, that's that's a strategy of um, now you're getting into political strategy. I see. And and basically, basically, um, what we did was we looked at an uh, and did an analysis of who voted for my opponent and who didn't. And, I see. Uh, and so we kind of went to the areas that voted for my opponent and said, "Look, I think there's a better choice." That makes that makes sense actually. Now that I, you kind of explained it that way, I didn't. I hadn't yeah, and so. Um, that's really how it went. Yeah. That's how it goes. I mean, and I, I don't think that's it. There's no real secret there. I mean, no. most most people look and they say, yeah, you know, you, you'll hear it. You know, you got to get your base energized, right? 
And we knew that we had to have um, certain things need to fall into place. And so we were the beneficiaries of some of the other campaigns that were running. I see. It, that, uh, for example, Consuelos uh, in District 1, uh-huh. her campaign, uh, she energized that district to come out and vote for her. And I think we were the beneficiaries of that. I see. You know, that so makes sense. getting some more numbers up there. So uh, that one. Yeah, that's just kind of how you planned it and how yeah. you went about it. I, I, it just seems, I guess, so you it wasn't you don't set out with the goal of trying to meet every single person in the city. It's a little more pinpointed and strategic than that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you can't. Uh, and, I mean, the other thing, too, is, um, and these numbers are very rough. Sure. But let's say if you look at countywide, the number of registered voters – on a presidential election, uh, it's ballpark around 80% vote, right? During a non-presidential year, which is what ours, it's more like 40%. Well, I see. Okay, but this particular one, the numbers were closer to 60%. Really? Yeah, and that 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 got people out. Yeah. More people out voting. Uh, yeah, that's that's that is a pretty good increase. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I mean, that was it was kind of an, uh, almost an anomaly. And if you compare it to other elections, you yeah. know, and again, the, this is these are rough. Uh, just you, rough, yeah, as, you know, because you, you look at the data and you say, well, what does it mean? And, and stuff like that. You mentioned you, uh, at, you were back to city. After that, you came here and you have spent some time at a position at the Marine Corps Recruitment oh, Museum? Well, no, oh, okay. I'm, I'm, correct so, me if I'm wrong here. So yeah. what happens is uh, I, I'm a colonel in the Marine Corps and I retire. Okay. Okay. Um, and that was in 2003. And then I went into business. I ended up starting, oddly enough, I ended up starting a couple of companies, and I started working for the uh, some Native American uh, organizations. Okay, I was running some failing companies for them, and had uh, it was a really a wonderful experience because you really I hadn't really had had that much exposure to the Native American community. Uh-huh. Uh, but when this one particular project, we had like a twelve tribe consortium, so it was really kind of. Um, we were dealing with Native Hawaiians, Native Alaskans, and um, oh. uh, uh, tribes from the lower forty-eight. So a wide array of yeah, people really, and culture. I, yeah, really. It was really. I mean, I mean, the work was interesting, but it was also kind of a, a window into part of this country. Sure, right? and that was really, really kind of interesting. Um, but you know, and not to knock the for-profit world, but you know, one of the things I liked about being in the Marine Corps was I felt like you were serving something greater than yourself. I mean, Colin Powell had talked about that, you know, it was, I liked that. And, uh, when you're, and, and I liked working for that in the native American community because, m- m- you know, their companies basically goes, the, the money they make, it goes, doesn't go to wall street. It goes back into the community. Sure. So I kind of, I liked that as well. Um, but then I thought I wanted to get into non the non, I was on, I got invited to sit on some nonprofit boards, which I did. And, uh, I got involved in that. And then I thought, you know, um, I should really become, uh, I could, I could run a nonprofit. I mean, yeah. I felt I had enough, at this point I had enough business experience and life experience that I could run a nonprofit. And, uh, at, there is a museum at the Marine Corps Recruit Depot and, okay. it, and it has a foundation that supports it. And I was, I was asked to be the executive director of that foundation. And uh, the, the foundation does essentially, it, it did really one thing when I took it, when I was there. It, it kind of supported the museum in terms of exhibits and, you know, upgrades and things like that. Uh, but they wanted us to, they wanted me and the team to kind of expand that. And so we went down two, two paths. Uh, one was 
Uh, we developed a bunch of programs for veterans and their families, Gold Star families. You're familiar with Gold I'm Star? I'm not familiar with Gold, Gold Star. Gold Star is someone who's lost. Uh, typically, when you think of a Gold Star family, you think of uh, the widow whose husband was killed in, in Afghanistan or Iraq, something okay. like that. But it's more than that. It could be the husband whose wife was killed. Oh, wow. Or it could be the mom and dad, you know, or brother and sister. I mean, that's a, it's it's more than just uh, the one scenario. So, right. So so doing things through Gold Star and, and, you know, PTSD and things like that. And then the other thing we did was uh, uh, is for youth. And, uh, you know, we try to target uh, kids who need some structure, you know, bring them over. And I like to think we teach values in a historical context. I see. Right? And try to, you know, talk about uh, honor, courage, and commitment, and why that's important. And while, you know, you could argue that the 1st Marine Division against the the Chinese coming over the Yalu River during the Korean War was honor, courage, and commitment. But, you know, in, in real world, I mean, honor is for, you know, a, a student could be telling the truth when uh, it's going to get them in trouble. And commitment is, uh, you know, standing by a friend. Sure. Uh, and, and courage would be standing up to a bully. Absolutely. You know, you know and so we try to instill those values uh, in, in the kids. Wow, so it sounds like you got pretty involved in, in there and helped them. Sure, and it was kind of fun. I mean, to stay back. I mean, just to stay. It, it's a nice way to stay connected with the Marine Corps without Absolutely. having to go out into the field or yeah. take the physical fitness test or do any of the other <laughs> stuff that the Marines are required to do. And, and what, 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 when was that? I know you said in two, 20, 2003. You when did I take, go there? Why? Well, uh, actually, three years ago. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, that was kind of. I looked at it as kind of my last job before. Retirement, if you will. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But you know, I didn't expect to, because um, because the other jobs required a lot of travel and airplanes and we had offices. Involved. Yeah, I mean, you were really going around in a lot of different places. Can I make one? Can I make a one little plug? Yeah. All right. The, the plug is that uh, if you look at the website, uh, once a month, and I'm talking about the city website. Once a month, uh, I'm going to go out somewhere, some restaurant, some place, and it's going to be meet the mayor. Awesome. Yeah, and I think we're starting out. Uh, we're going to do it at different times of the day. I think the first couple are in the morning, so okay. we might not be able to get the work crowd, but we're going to go in the evening and on weekends. And I think the first one's at Cute Cakes. Okay, uh, on Grand. On, on Grand, you know, and I'm just going to hang out there. And if you want to come in and talk to the mayor, share your in. stories, meet the mayor, I'll be there. And uh, Very cool. You know, and, um, and I, I, I'm toying with the idea. I think we're going to probably uh, set up a booth at the at the next street fair as okay. well, you know, if people want to come by and hopefully it won't turn into the complaint <laughs> department, you know, but but you know, share ideas of how we can improve the city and you know, and some things because, like I said earlier, a lot of people have some great ideas. Absolutely, and, and I love to hear them. That's awesome. So you heard that if you want to learn more about the Meet the Mayor program and just get a chance to kind of sit and ask Mayor Mac any questions you may have, go ahead and uh, check out the city website. Is there any social media plugs you'd like to put in here? Places? You know? uh, I have. Um, I mean, I certainly have Facebook yeah. and, and Twitter. Sure. And uh, I've got to get a little bit more serious about that. Okay. And publish that uh, stuff. But it's uh, it used to be uh, Mac for Mayor. I think it's now the Facebook is uh, Mac for Escondido. I see. We just changed the name. Oh, cool. All right. So I'm going to get a little bit more serious and publish some of that stuff. Okay. But there's always my uh, email um, okay. on the city, uh, and just send me an email, and uh, I try to respond to them all. Or if I can't, if I don't know the answer, I'll pass it off to somebody in the city staff who's 
who's smarter about it than I am, try to get an answer for you, you know, on uh, whatever needs to be answered or what your questions are. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the, the email is how I, we got in touch, so I know, yeah. that, I know you're checking them and you, you do yeah. respond. So. Sure. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Shooting the Breeze, uh, getting to know the new Escondido mayor. Tune in for more episodes and uh, share this with someone who else who needs to meet our mayor. Take care. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Shooting the Breeze with Gio Ruiz. The music for this episode is called Soda Pop, and you can check it out at purpleplanet.com along with more of their work. If you like this episode, share it with somebody you know, and if you're looking to buy or sell a home in San Diego County, work with a realtor who knows your neighborhood. Check out GeoRuizRealEstate.com for more information. Until next time, take care.